live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys, Aitzid Weinstein and Naor Mininger. So today we're going to talk a little bit about sports. Not a topic that I'm very comfortable with, but uh, we'll do so nonetheless. And not just about sports. Sports have always been tightly wound up in politics. They serve as a sort of platform to showcase and promote political ideas. As Hitler infamously did with Aryan nationalism in the 1936 Olympics, as I'm getting faces here, as, Tom, <laughs> as Tommy Smith and John Carlos did in 1968 when they performed the Black Power Salute during the medal ceremony, and as countless teams and athletes do by wearing ribbons and other paraphernalia during games, uh, there was even a little-known football war between El Salvador and Honduras in 1970 70, that actually broke out because of economic issues, but it's called the football war because it uh, it happened surrounding these riots uh, around the FIFA World Cup, uh, which I thought was fascinating. Um, this is very evident here in the heart of the Middle East where where it's so conflict-ridden. Yeah, and uh, Beitar Jerusalem is the premier uh, soccer team of Jerusalem, and they are one of the most political and probably the most controversial teams in Israel. In recent years, a group of radical nationalist uh, fans that go by the name of La Familia have become more and more dominant in the fan base of Beitar. Offices were burned and games were destroyed and boycotted over controversy. However, La Familia has become an act has also become active outside of the stadium and outside of soccer in general. They have become a real political force and some would say a threat to Israeli society. So, uh, Forever Pure is a new film that documents uh, this team through one of its thickest controversies. Uh, Maya Zinstein, the director of this film, is here with us today to talk about it. Before we start, I'll just say uh, we have two amazing cooperations, one with the Jewish Journal of Greater Los Angeles. It's a great uh, source for Jewish news in Los Angeles. And then we have Secret Tel Aviv, which is uh, a huge Facebook group of Olim and people uh, who come to Israel and Tel Aviv want to enjoy uh, Tel Aviv. So, hello, Maya. After all that. Hello, guys. Thanks How for coming. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are yeah. you now? Yeah, you know, for Eitan, for someone who feels uncomfortable, you seem quite comfortable in that. Uh... Why? Because of my back, you're saying? No, no. You said you're not comfortable in that area of sports. Uh, sports. And yet... Well, I did a little research. <laughs> okay. I mean, I had to, right? Yeah. So tell us, why Forever Pure? Why is the film called that? Oh, why the film is called that? Well, mm -hmm. actually, Forever Pure is comes from the banner that the fans uh, waved during one of the games on the season that I filmed. Uh, the banner said, Beitar Forever Pure. And they related it to the fact that the owner, he's a Russian oligarch, decided to bring two Muslim players to join the club. Which and had never happened. Well, actually, two Muslim... There was a, one Muslim player years ago, but the fans didn't know that he's Muslim. Yes, because he came from Albania and his name was Victor Pacha. And as you oh, can understand, okay. his name wasn't really, wasn't really, didn't sound them really Muslim. So yeah, so they didn't know that, he's, was he, that he were actually Muslim. But that move was presented to the fans. I remember the headline. It was, the headline was Gaidamak, this is the owner, signed two Muslims to Beitar Jerusalem. So from, so from the first place they came as as Muslims and the, the reaction of the fans, which I'm 
filming in, in my film were unbelievable and the banner forever pu- Beitar forever pure pure from Muslims were yeah. waved by in one of the most amazing moments of the film and the season but it was waved also before or it came afterwards well actually during my research when I spoke with the fans and I spoke with them about the banner so they told me we don't understand why it became such a huge story because it's already been waved years ago and I said what <laughs> really and actually we made the research I made the research together with them trying to understand when it was waved and we found one photo of this band of of Beitar Forever Pure from 2008 mm-hmm. yeah yeah well the the group which we'll discuss I mean which we mentioned also in the intro and we'll discuss more in depth La Familia was founded already in the beginning of the 2000s right 2004 2005 2005 yeah So they've been around for a while. And we'll get to this because that's a fascinating controversy. And the film, by the way, is great. We both watched yeah, it. Yeah, we didn't mention how much we loved it. Thank yeah, you. So great if you job. guys have a chance, is it, is, it, uh, is it screened in the U.S.? Well, actually, it's going to be screened in May. Okay. It's going to be screened in, in, the, in PBS and in the panel lands. Mm-hmm. And afterwards on, uh, yeah. Amazing. So we'll put uh, links to all the places that... this film is so w- I gotta ask why why like why Beital what, what was your first encounter with them when did you first hear about Beital let's start with that well as you know probably you cannot well everybody knows Beital in, in Israel mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know anything about this club more than you guys I guess <laughs> and but I'm also a journalist and I've been asked by the Israeli television to film the arrival of the Chechen so I was the first person that they met When they just landed, yeah, and, and actually, the television called me two hours before they landed and said to me, "Well, what are you doing in two hours?" And I said, "Well, I don't know." So I said, "So did you hear anything? these Chechens coming to Beitar?" And I said, "Well, yes, I guess." And they said, "So can you please film it?" So in two hours, I found myself me and the two Chechens in the car. Nobody of us was knowing where we were going. And that's how I spent the first four days mm-hmm. uh, of. There. And this is before that you decided to make the film. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just came to make a short television story uh, and that's it. But I was shocked from mm-hmm. the hate that I saw. And I guess, and you know, it was full of um, press out there, of course. Mm-hmm. And, I, and because most of the, of the journalists that were there were sports journalists. So they weren't like for them, it was something usual to see the Beitar fans are shouting this crazy things but for me as a stranger mm-hmm. I just couldn't understand what's going on there and after four days the story has been shown on the television but I understood that the real story has just begun mm-hmm. so I came to the chairman to it's a corn fan I told him listen I think you're doing here a crazy thing I think a sh- film should be made about it he said to me well that's a great idea do you have anyone in mind I said well yes myself <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I started it just so happened to be a director <laughs> Yeah. by the way it's so, amazing how sometimes in documentaries you just find yourself like thrown yes into without any notice yeah it's even cruel sometimes and if you're not if you don't have the killer instinct to to see that you are in a point of of fate and to to g- grab this chance you might lose uh, the film of your career even so well, that's y- Yeah, that's, that's very true. I'm always, like, I guess one of the strengths of the film is quite an amazing access uh, that I achieved into the club. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm in the bus. I'm in the locker room. And, and 
and everybody says to me, that's amazing how you get this access. I'm always saying you're not getting access, you're taking your access. Hmm. Here <laughs> in Israel, uh, well, <laughs> more than anywhere. You have I to. guess so, yes, you have Al- to. Although you're not, you're not uh, as opposed to certain documentarists, you're not so felt which in the film, which I thought, which I, I actually liked, but you're more of a fly on the... I mean, I, I noticed you, and only because I, I knew what you looked like before... I noticed you in one shot, I think, at the at the front of the yeah, bus. Yeah, you see a red yeah. dot somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. You're like, that's, <laughs> that that's, that was a mistake. But, actually, yeah. I wasn't supposed you to could, be in there. In After Effects, you could have <laughs> But even there was, there was one question you asked Guy Damak where we hear your voice. But besides for like a few instances, yeah. you're very much a fly on the wall. Well, that was uh, my decision, actually, mm-hmm. because... A decision during editing or during filming? During filming also. I always felt that, in a way, I'm... I, I, I'm not part of the story. Of course I am because I'm there and eventually this film is shown through my eyes. But I never felt that I supposed to be a character anyhow in, in this film. And I think today when the film has been released in Israel, I think it shows that like the way that it's accepted, uh, especially with the Bitar fans, for them, um, they're not feeling that I'm doing any manipulation on them. And I, for me, as a filmmaker, it's a huge success that actually the audience that are making the film about them doesn't feel that I manipulated them. And of course, there is a manipulation because there's always manipulation when when you're doing when you're doing films. But but for me, I I really um, but also I was a stranger, and I think as a stranger, it gives you this ability just to look mm-hmm. and to watch them and to try to understand what happens. So that's what I did. So when you approached Beitar and Itzi Kornfein, the manager, so you didn't know Beitar as well as uh, a Beitar fan, for example, right? Of course not. Because, so you really ca- because you're saying you were surprised by the racism. So people who know a little bit wouldn't have been surprised that much, I guess, or maybe yes, I don't know. But I'm saying you came really without knowing much about this yeah that's very true but I think for me as a filmmaker it's all I'll always prefer to go uh, and film something that uh, I don't know uh-huh. I always prefer to be a stranger maybe it's very related to my feeling I'm also I'm an, I'm a well maybe not very but <laughs> quite well, an old immigrant already I hear old new old new yeah um, but that's a story kind of story of my life I always feel strange that I'm a stranger uh-huh. so for me I'm always also prefer to film strength to keep this feeling of a stranger within the world of, of my films because where did you come from and when I came uh, from Russia when I was 10 which was uh, 26 years ago okay we won't do the math <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, we want to do the math <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have no problem with my age. Okay. <laughs> so, 26 years ago, you yeah. came. Yeah. This ma- puts us in the year 1991. 90 just yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the high the, days of exactly, uh, Russian of immigration. Rush. Yes. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And I came, yeah. So, okay. So, I want to take us to the story that the film tells because it's a fascinating story. And Full disclosure, I, I took special interest. I wasn't aware that you didn't know this. No, well, didn't know this. But we He doesn't tell it. me things anymore. <laughs> I don't, I'm, not, I'm not open with him enough, apparently. But full disclosure, I, I took special interest in the film because I, uh, a few years back, moved to Jerusalem to actually do research on La Familia oh. because I was writing uh, something, I won't get into it, about, about them. 
Uh, Are you still writing? I well, it's in the drawer, but but okay. we'll talk about that after. But <laughs> I I was especially fascinated, and I think the story of them it's almost a microcosm of Israeli society, Jerusalem in general, and that that team, uh, at least a a set a, a part of Israeli society. So I want to I want to take us back a few years, and the story you told in the film about how. What years was it when they started really making that rise in uh, so the season that I'm filming is two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen and the Chechens arrived uh, the Chechens arrived just in the middle of this season, so the mm-hmm. beginning of of uh, two thousand thirteen. But at the beginning of the season, 2012, they were on their way up after many years of kind oh, yes. of just being, you know, yeah, at the bottom was, of the barrel. Yeah, it was supposed to be an amazing season. They they started on the 11th place and they and they climbed till the fourth place. When mm-hmm. the Chechen arrived, they they haven't lost one game for like three months almost. It was an ama- it was supposed to be an amazing season, and that's why it so hurts because that's the tragedy of the film. Basically, well, yes, that's very true, and and also because from the moment that the Chechen arrived, they haven't win one game. Yes, and not because of the Chechnians. N- no, because of the fans, and I think that's one of the amazing things, and and especially in U.S. when I'm when I when I was traveling with the film. People were telling me, but today we're talking uh, the the sport is very professional in the way a uh, uh, player comes and, and you can drink from your beer I by the ab- way I was about to grab your yeah. beer no. okay. <laughs> don't touch <Sorry>. my beer <laughs> while I'm talking here <laughs> but you can drink it feel free yeah sorry so they were saying no they were saying that to these days of course the sport is very professional so in a way a player comes to a team that buys him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he needs to play and he gets the money and gives his show right and they couldn't understand how the fans in in Beitar had so much power mm-hmm. on the players because th- as you say as you said that the the club wasn't losing because of the Chechens the club were losing because of the fans fans that I have to say originally were thought to be in in Hebrew they always called them comets. Which is like uh, uh, this. a little part of the yeah. a little part of the fan base. Yeah. But then there's this amazing uh, uh, part of your film where you show how they managed to basically rally the troops and everybody boycotted one of the games because yeah. of follow their lead. Everybody and follows so their lead basically. This once thought to be, you know, they were there they I think they claim to be you know five thousand or eight thousand members strong, but that, They have this little section in the stadium, right, which is only just a, a, a fraction of the seats. And many people, one of which you interviewed there, think that, you know, Beitar's fans are mostly, you know, these normal, they're just not loud, but they're normal. They have uh, pretty moderate views and maybe they're right wing, but they have pretty moderate views. But then all of a sudden this came out and, you know, it, it was shown how they have amazing control over the, the entire fan base. Well, that's very true. that's right and I think that's what makes this film a kind of film of our times because mm-hmm. I think this process that that I'm showing in 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 the film when a small uh, extreme group that everybody said oh it's just nothing they just just a bunch you know this this mm-hmm. I hate this word just a bunch of, of of fans but when when we just can see how they are taking over the masses and I think it happens in many places in the world well you I guess two years ago there were many people in in US that said that uh, Trump is just a small part mm-hmm. of the Republican US. yeah of the, of the Republican Party and today he's the president 
of United States. So and the same thing still in your, blows my mind. Well, but but that's that's amazing how you and the same thing happens in the France these days mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in UK with yeah all over all over the world and I think that's why also this film is is succeeding so much not only in Israel but everywhere because it shows mm-hmm. how these uh, masses when they're silent can be dragged really easily by by this radical uh, extreme and maybe but dangerous smart, of course smart, smart. and no, they know how to manipu- manipulate the masses so they're like politician in that in yeah. that sense right oh, that's very true and that's show and then the question rises do they represent the mass or yeah. do they not that's no that's i don't think they represent the masses i think i think they they bitar that is you know i think cuz cuz i think the i think the masses aren't necessarily Uh, what are the masses? Let's vo- start by what the are ma- the masses? The masses How many people are we talking about? Like Beitar fans in general who well, come to, well, the, to the games? Hundred thousand. Well, probably. Maybe even more. No? No, no. To the games, no. But no, not to the games. But na- nationally. Beitar has the biggest fan base in Israel. Because to be a Beitar fan, it's actually... Um, says much more about you on the on you. it's it's not about football at all it's your political views mm-hmm. it's your social level so for example there's many people that live in I don't know in Kiryachmona so they are fans of Kiryachmona but they're also fans of Beitar because they're coming from a Likud mm-hmm. house you know yeah. mm-hmm. so in a way and and actually that's why that's one of the reasons why the reaction is so amazing because to be a Beitar fan is is really for lots of people it has nothing to do with it's a way of life it it no it's just your identity your identity it's yeah. your identity it's what you uh, like it's the house where you grew up and and mm-hmm. it, i i think uh, um, for many years the right wing and and the beitar fans felt that they are like the second israel so they're mm-hmm. the second best here mm-hmm. i think that that's that's uh, first of all it's important to mention that the likud has always had close ties. I mean, Bibi visits games. Nir Barkat is always there. He's not a member of yeah, the Likud. Yeah, they're totally yeah. related. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, totally. And, and it's it's worth mentioning the history of that. This happened because uh, the, the Likud party in the 50s and the 60s couldn't take power over the state. And then, and they were ruled by Ashkenazi Jews, by the way, not by Mizrahi Jews. But they realized the only way they can become uh, the first party uh, party is by rallying the Mizrahi Jews who suffered in the in in the Mabara in the, in the tents or in the in the in the poor zones of Israel so this is how this connection between the Likud party and Beitar what is Beitar Beitar is the movement of Jabotinsky yes of course Be, uh, who is Ashkenazi Jew has nothing to do with Mizrahi Jews almost at the beginning at least afterwards they tried but he it, it's a movement of, of far right um, that was uh, parallel to Zionism more mm-hmm. or less and uh, so so Jabotinsky etc so It's connected to the Likud party. Yeah. The Likud then realized it needs the masses and it, it used them, right? Yeah, the, uh, the Likud to get elected u- in 77. Which is the same reason, right, Guy Damak tried to come into the team. Well, to, that's to use true, them yes. Well, this club has been used by the politicians since mm-hmm. it wasn't established. It always was a huge base for, for, for the politicians. And as you mentioned, uh, Arkady Guy Damak, that he's the owner... He came, when he arrived to Israel, he has been told that if he, that to buy the uh, Beitar Jerusalem, this is his way 
uh, to become a mayor of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And that's why he bought this club. He put it a crazy money and, and brought them to the championship and brought them to Europe. Mm-hmm. And actually when he, <laughs> he got three, three and a half percent of votes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which barely the elections, passes the yeah, threshold. And, and, and it was... In the elections to be the mayor of Jerusalem. Yeah, in 2008. And, and that was really insulting for him mm-hmm. because, well, he was a little bit fooled, I guess, by by the people that was uh, around him and promised him that he's really just... just that he's going to be the mayor of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and afterwards, after this unbelievable loss, um, he just... Yeah, he was really angry. And I kind of kind of understand him because come yeah. on. He he like, I get it, but but it was it's one of the most blatantly political moves in sports because generally a I, I and that's why I say that I think it's more evident here the tie between sports and politics than almost anywhere else in the world because Generally speaking, owners of teams, they buy it as a passion investment. They're not yes. expecting to make money out of it. And generally they buy it because, you know, that they, they love that team. They love the sport. Guy Damak even says in your film, I don't care about soccer. Yeah. It's not that yeah. It's a stupid sport, it's he says. Yeah, he says it's a, you know. <laughs> He's but right, what by I, the way. What, but what I'm trying to say that he didn't do anything differently than the other politicians that used this club during the years. So he, he just came and... He and just did it badly. Well, no, but he did it. That's what I'm saying is he didn't just arrive at the games like Bibi Netanyahu does or Olmer did. He he bought the team, you know, and when you buy a team, you have an expectation from the fans. I think it was a stupid. Move. I think if I may, I think he he approached this without understanding the people and the group and Israel. That's very true. So because that's the difference. Bibi understood that just. Going to the games is not enough. You need to connect to the hearts of these people. Also, Begging understood it and their interests. And he Maybe just you thought... Maybe you to ignore the hearts. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, well, didn't, they, would, never, they would never speak out against the, the extreme uh, fans because you get what, like he didn't speak against the extreme fans uh, also be- he was really supportive to the la familia actually i know that there, yes yes before before he lost the elections he was actually he one of the reasons that la familia became so strong because he was giving money yes he was giving money for them for for bringing them to games mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of israel so i think but again he he saw them as a power tool. well again everybody's seeing this club as a tool yes. and i think that's the tragedy of this club because every time someone else coming and trying to use it for mm-hmm. its own purpose maybe that's uh, I, I i should maybe not say what i'm about to say but maybe that's the tragedy oh now it's getting of, fun <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the tragedy of that because i think like noel said that that team and the fan base of that team represents a certain a uh, uh, group of Israeli so- from Israeli society. Maybe that's the tragedy that a certain group is letting people, you know, sort of use them as a tool. Again, maybe I shouldn't have said what I just said. <laughs> I want to. I want to say something. Okay. okay. You would be really surprised um, now. Actually, when the the film is released in Israel, so every day I have like I don't know dozens of of uh, messages on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. from people that watch the film. And you won't believe who's the people that write to me, actually, I was a Beitar fan since, since I'm a child. They are totally different from what you who, think who in, your, in your head as a Beitar. Who are they? 
they can be, you know, they, they come in from all over the country and they come in from all over the society levels. I think, I think e because... Ethnically speaking. Yeah, ethnically also. They're also? Yes. Socioeconomically, they're from all I different think, levels. I think this club always uh, represented, always were the underdog. Mm -hmm. And I think that people that uh, just see themselves as underdogs because of many of reasons, because their personal reasons or because they're political, I don't know. So, so I think, yeah, I, I sometimes I'm really surprised when I can meet uh, just people from Tel Aviv, from the center of Tel Aviv, and then, and then really quietly they will tell me, actually, I was a Beitar fan when I was a child. <laughs> Yeah, wow. <laughs> but why is it an underdog? I mean, uh, isn't it artificial? Isn't it something begging made up? Of course. And 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 of everything course. here is artificial. Of it's course. so funny because I w more than know? that, I will tell you. Uh, I was uh, um, w while I spoke with uh, Victor Lieberman in the stand. Who is? Let's. Who is? Who is Eitan? The currently the foreign minister? No. No. no, defense, defense he minister, will, uh, defense the defense minister. minister. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know he switches. Uh, <laughs> who is the head? Back of then, the, back then yeah. he was uh, uh, the foreign minister, and he's the head of the political party. Is Israel Beitin. Israel yeah. Beitin. And yeah. um, he told you he he's a great Beitar fan. And then I told him what's actually Beitar is, and he told me that's the underdog. You're going against the establishment, and I'm telling him till you Beitar became the establishment. Because I'm speaking with the yeah. <laughs> Minister of Foreign Affairs, yeah. and he says to me that that's the, the meaning of being Beitar fan is to be the underdog and yeah. and not connected to the establishment. And then he said, and then he gives me a look and said, No, 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 we are not the establishment. You, you're in the you're <laughs> in the government. <laughs> that's in the amazing. Cabinet. Yeah, it's amazing. That's amazing because it it also relates to Shas. Also, Shas, the, the, the Mizrahi uh, Orthodox party, the, the great critical critics say about them, they are in power, they're in government for years, and still uh, they make sure their voters are still being fucked, basically. Okay, they make sure they, they are not just uh, educated enough and enlightened enough to, because then they realize they don't want to vote for them so maybe in a, i'm you know I'm, I'm a little bit going off but it's the same with the Likud. like the Likud needs to maintain this underdog um feeling of although course. they're in power so that people continue to be to vote for bb of course that's what they're doing all the time and and and, and i think we can see it in every election campaign of the Likud party it's there they're using the feelings of people that actually But Lots of them actually struggling. Yeah, but the that's true for you know. I think any political, any any polit any politician. Well, anytime it, it, you're 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 turning to the masses, the the most effective way to rally them is through emotions. And so you use fear mongering, whether or not it's you know the the left side using you know healthcare or the right side using Arabs or whatever. I mean, you're always trying to tap into that place of the person yes, that says, people "Oh pay no, price here." But Come on, Trump became yeah. the person that represents all the people that are struggling in U.S. When this person is a very rich yeah, person, yeah, the so th Yeah, so but, that that's but, a, that's just the same. But that's what it's I'm saying. Exactly is that the it's, same. It's always like you're always politicians are always going to be there to answer your fears. We all have fears, and yes. what we're looking for politicians to do is tell us that they're going to assuage our fears. But then, what do they do about it when they're elected? That's the question. Yeah. So that's, if Trump really now takes care of the weak people and he's that's not. and well let's wait and see but 
what we can say for certain is that BB did absolutely nothing for uh, the people in the periphery mm-hmm. um, like he could have done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay. Wait, bring, so bringing us back to Beital, um, Guy Damak, and we, I, I said this to Noel, is he, uh, I have to ask you what you think because you met him, you sat with him. Is he uh, a genius or is he like a vengeful motherfucker? Just remind us who is uh, Guy Damak <laughs> again. Damak, Arkady Guy Damak is the guy who bought uh, Beital Jerusalem in 2005. Five. He's an oligarch. He's an oligarch, He's Russian an oligarch. Israeli-Russian oligarch. Yeah. yeah, now in jail in France. Now, what he did, just so we can fill in our, our listeners, what he did basically is in 2012, in case you guys didn't understand until now, the, and this is what Maya's film deals with, is in 2012, end of 2012, beginning of 2013, middle of the season, he buys two Chechen buys. Sounds like slavery. Yeah. <laughs> buys two, pays, uh, hires two Chechen Muslim players into a team which had thought they never had a Muslim player no, no, before. No, no, which, which part of their identity is yeah. a non-Muslim No club. Muslims. Exactly. Yeah, there's They're very no Arab, Jews only. Yeah, the, 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 um, it's the only foot, uh, soccer club in Israel that yeah. has never signed an Arab player. Now, when did he lose the, when did he get 3.6% of 2008. the... 2008. 2008. Yeah, so for the last four years, um, he cut at all the funds. That's why actually Beitar was so struggling. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and then in 2012, it was the yeah, the but but I think, I think we need we need to understand why actually he did it, because and why it happened especially with the Chechen. So Arkady Gaidemak has um, also business with uh, he's doing businesses with uh, Ramzan Kadyrov. He's the head of the Chechen Republic. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And so Arkady Gaidemak took the whole Beitar club to a, a friendly match yeah. <laughs> in Chechnya. Which is surreal, really. And what yeah. they did there, I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, you showed in the film. Yes, the it's way, also, yeah, the yeah, way it, you you depicted it was quite fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and two weeks after they came back, he signed these two Muslim players. Um, so 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 why? I mean, like, because you know, so he cut the funds for four years, and then did he finally say to himself, like, like screw this, like I'm going to show these guys. Well, it was as it as was a, obviously a, a, yeah, a purposeful move. Of course, yeah, it was. A, he knew exactly what will happen. I think everybody knew what will happen. There's a reason why there's no Beitar, uh, why there's no Arab players in this club because mm-hmm. it became part of their identity, a non-Muslim club. Mm-hmm. So of course he knew what he's what he's doing, and I think it's a combination between, as I started to to say, that he has business in in Chechnya, and the Chechen president has his own interests. Um, mostly uh, cleaning his quite a problematical image in the world. So he wants, uh, and he they he use wants it. recognition. He wants basically. recognition. He wants also to build his name within the Muslim world. And of course, Jerusalem is uh, quite an important place, mm-hmm. as we all know. So for the so there is an interest for the um, for the uh, for everyone. Che- yeah. Basically. So f- so for the Chechen uh, president, there's uh-huh. an interest. Gaidamak tries to give him something, and on the way, just... Uh, so you think it was kind of just Gaidamak, like the Chechen... Who, what I wonder is, who do you think um, uh, initiated this deal? Do you think that, do you think Gaidamak said, okay, I really want to screw these guys over? Or do you think the Chechen president came to him and said, look, you're here, blah, 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 why don't you take two players? And Gaidamak was like, I, you know, sounds well, great. Well, I don't know who, who started. <laughs> no one <laughs> but knows, I do, huh? <laughs> No, but no, but I do know, and actually I have this uh, 
quite an amazing footage in the film when Gaidamak and Ramzan Kadyrov sitting and talking mm-hmm. um, and Ramzan saying to Gaidamak, uh, our prophet never said uh, uh, that you should kill the Jews, you should make business with the yeah. Jews. Um, <laughs> which and is, actually, like, which and is actually... comforting, but in a weird way. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> and actually that meeting happened in the stadium in the VIP section just before the match, the friendly match started. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. So, and I know from people that were there that this deal was kind of initiated there in that meeting. Yeah. So Yeah, it makes sense. But, but yeah, so I didn't know who said first, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Huh. But uh, yeah, it, I think it, it was just... Because he threw like a firebomb into yeah. a burning building. Yeah. Um, okay, so I suggest... You cannot use this word, you know, when you're talking about Beitar yeah. through a firebomb. Yeah, because exactly. Yeah. <laughs> literal <laughs> fire might <laughs> yeah. set in this apartment soon. Um, so let's make a pause here because every, from time to time, Maya, we try to uh, bring music because there oh. are so many uh, amazing uh, musicians here in Israel who play songs in English, who write songs in English. We try to... to Make people listen to them. So today we have a song by a quarter to Africa. Have you heard about them? Reval Africa. They are an Afro-Arab uh, music group. They call themselves, themselves. And they have a new album called uh, The Layback. So this is a song by them. It is called Drop Your Fears. Drop Your Fears. Now, 
Africa And we're gonna get the energy real fine And I said and I mean it and I know it's gonna be alright Drop your fears, come say hello Let's all together wait for the dawn Creatures, you know when the dawn will come The energy's gonna get real high Give me some love, give me some vibes Give me some of that honey Give me some of your pain Give me some of that everything oh. Don't drop your feelings Don't look for nobody And nothing is better Beautiful. Very cool. Very cool. Funky. Quarter to Africa. Check them out. They have a band camp. You can Put buy the links. new album. $10. It's nothing. And hours of enjoyment. Hours? Hours. If you loop it. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, okay. So, we're back with Maya. So, Guy Damak throws this firebomb, as we said, into uh, the fan base of, of uh, Beta. And it ignites. Basically, and, yeah, it lights on. So tell us about that. How how did how did the team react and how did the fans react? So, well, it just everything started to falling apart. Um, the fans uh, announced at some point announced that they are starting. Well, it started with a uh, crazy shouts against the Chechens and um, and uh, then moved to uh, the fact that the La Familia announced that they are going to boycott. The games and actually they were they told me later they said actually we made a bds to our team wow <laughs> yes except the opposite of bds <laughs> the same the same it was tools, a bds yes but quite quite a different platform yeah uh-huh. it just shows that really when people are telling me oh 
this bunch, they're just uh, stupid uh, football fans or soccer fans. I'm saying you don't understand because stupid people cannot uh, make such a successful, unbelievable protest because their mm-hmm. protest actually succeeded. And, and, and the end of the... Um, and the end of the film is is their huge amazing and uh, victory victory exactly yeah, because the at, at the end the muslims left yeah. everyone were fired yeah mm-hmm. and everyone was fired basically everyone who Every, was pro muslim yeah. f- was fired yeah those who opposed the muslims from within the team got kicked up upwards to the uh-huh. top of the so yeah so the racist one basically yeah. and, and they were uh, and they were kicked out and um uh what's it called i have to say i i noticed in the film um i i saw there was uh first of all you, you there wasn't many moments where you where you, we see you speaking to la familia people that was that on purpose was i mean because you say that you did talk to them yeah well actually it was interesting because when i filmed the season you needed to choose sides and <laughs> the club and their friends wasn't on the same side. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's I see. Yeah, what do you so, mean? What do you mean? Explain it. What do you mean choose sides? Like at which side of the stadium you'll be at? No, 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 no. Which side? You, are you with the club or are you with the fans? Because, uh-huh. because there was the because game. there was a war yeah. Yeah. between okay, the club okay. so and the fans. you actually had to choose a moral side. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. So let, let's clarify because what happened and what you show in the in the film is that these Chechens kind of split because the team obviously had difficulty, you know, outcasting these guys when they're right there face to face with them. And also the management of the team kind of made it a point to absorb them in and to accept them. Uh, the captain of the team made it a point to say, we'll accept them and hopefully they'll play well for us. And obviously this didn't settle well with the fans. So then you have this rift between the fans and who, well, at least what, what was thought, like I said, until then to be just a bunch of fans, just a few fans and the team. But then it turned out that they was much stronger than that. Um, and so you were on the, the team side because you were yeah. following the team. Yeah, exactly. And actually, my, uh, I was never interested to make a film about the fans because um, I was very interested to make a film about the club. What happens to a club mm-hmm. when, they're f- when his fans are t- turning against him? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, what happens to fans when their club tries to change its own identity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's very true. I'm, I I think there was a there was a big question how to represent uh, La Familia and how to represent the fans. And uh, at some point, uh, I think, uh, I, yeah, at some point I understood that if I'm taking, for example, one fan, La Familia fan, that will say, yeah, I'm hate, I hate Arabs, so what? I didn't feel that, like, to put on him all the responsibility. It will achieve nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I think the fact that these masses doesn't have really face, but they are there all the time, they're, uh, when they're in the stadium or when they're living, they're still affecting the club. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, there there is a one uh, uh, one character. He's a fan that that we see a little bit in the in the film. But but he's actually a different, a totally different kind of fan. He's a fan that that speaks about you know how he he uh, associates himself as as a, as non-racist and as yeah. one that wanted to yeah. accept. There is the a player who later became the head of the the captain, who is. 
basically pro La Familia and then he is... Well, actually, I think most of the... The thing is, I think this particular season had uh, like in every good story, like everything just comes together. So in that particular season, 80% of the players were local players. What it means, local players? It's just they grew up on the Eastern Stand. They grew up with the La Familia. It's their best friends. Mm-hmm. And then in one moment, your best friends goes against you. Because we need to explain this. Because the, the fans didn't care that the players uh, are, haven't had anything to do with the Muslims come. To them, if they can play with the Muslims, they're traitors, basically. Right? Yes. And they gave them an ultimatum. Or you uh, quit. With us or you're against yeah. us. Yeah. So if you continue to play with the Muslims, we will m- bring hell on you, basically. So the, and the they players... Brought, and, and they, they brought, brought hell. And the players were under a huge pressure and most of them, like uh, basically almost everyone, um, ultimately went with the fans and against the Muslims. And, and, they were, well, and I, you I see in the film yeah, that they weren't that... so kind with the Muslims during... So the players come out uh that's very true but i think the players like uh, actually like the society usually we're coming back to this question about the masses so the masses usually are just quiet and hoping that all this mess just will finish and then you have the extreme side the one extreme side that stands for the chechens and one extreme side that stands for the uh, for the la familia but yeah most of the players just they understood kind of that, that, that it just it just th- a lose lose situation i think you stay like you stand quiet you w- even when you stand quiet you stand quiet on a side meaning the yeah, they the, stood the, quiet the, on a side no, but what i'm saying is the rest of the fans for example the masses they could have stayed quiet on the side of coming to the game and being like okay we know we're here and there's muslim players but we're here anyway because you know we come to all the games and blah 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 or they could have stayed quiet by joining the the La Familia and members boycotting and boycotting. The and the same with the players, they could have stayed quiet by, you know, not outwardly saying we need to accept these people, but also, you know, not uh it, you 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 showed in the film one point where the the one of the players whose brother was in La Familia and later became the captain and actually gained popularity because of his uh standing on the side of the fans posted the facebook like yes. when they boycotted the game he posted the facebook in support of them and said it's not the same without you guys we need you mm-hmm. back um so i think you can stay quiet on both sides and i think it's a question of you know i i i agree that the responsibility doesn't lay on the on the fans entirely meaning the management needs to make these brave acts can i ask say something yeah yeah i think the responsibility <laughs> lays on the society because we okay. really like to say we, and you know by using the word bunch we're kind of saying no they're not part of us but they are part of us and these people huge part yeah no i don't know if huge or not but this even if we're taking the most extreme they are grew up here they're a product of this society and we need to understand that and uh, well that's a matter you know it's a matter of perspective to me uh, each of them is is coming from a home and their home is responsible not me but it's a, it's a matter of ideology i guess because I, I i don't take responsibility on them i i don't I, I don't think i should or we should take responsibility on that you think maybe, that we should i think we as a society should understand that these people are li- <laughs> are are a product of of 
our society, of course, and they are part of us, and they are not. They are part of us. They that are part is, of us, that's and, and, absolutely and, and, true. And, to, and really, I, I will surprise you. Some of them are really, really intelligent and really smart. So, okay. And, and, and I want to ask you, because it's really confusing. I also read interviews with you, and I, I can't uh, really understand. Because, okay, one, from one hand, they're racist. From the other hand, they're intelligent. Intelligent. From, and then from the, again, uh, and the, you uh, met them and spoke to them, and you said in interviews you feel affectionate in a way to to some of them. You you relate, no, not like not you to connect, la not not to La Familia, but you, you connected with with fans of all kinds yes. during the filming. Yes. And so, are they racist? And who do they represent? Is is the team racist? You know, it's it's very confusing. Everything. <laughs> the thing is that I I and what's going on? <laughs> you know, um, nothing is black and white. I know it's a cliche, but it's very what? True. Yes, but yes. I want it to be so much. Yes, I okay. know, but nothing is black and white. I I I think I um, it was a process for me too, to understand this club. Um, I do think that it's. The Beitar fans are an amazing fans, really. I, I think... Including those who boycotted the games. Um, in their own way. Uh, um, if when, uh, when they're starting, when their uh, ideological ideas are becoming more important than the game itself, of course, it's not... But it's idea. a racist ideology. Yes, that's very so true, and that's very bad. No, 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 I, I, want to, I want to make something very clear. Okay. When I'm saying about someone that he's intelligent, doesn't say that I'm uh, uh, agreeing with his uh, views. But you know, Hitler that we mentioned at the beginning. Oh, I missed, I missed Yes, I it's missed a closure it. now. So <laughs> Hitler... It. I love it when Hitler comes into conversation. No, but come on, he was <laughs> no, a quite intelligent it's person. It's true. And it's hard to, yeah. to hear, it's hard to hear it, but, you know, these people... We, it's like but we want them to guys be you connected with or you uh, sympathize with you think uh, so those are people that are not in La Familia but maybe they did come out and boycotted the games no uh, I I'm trying to understand you know where my position yes about the team about the people and I think I think it's an amazing uh, an amazing club that was captured by the wrong hands and today it's on the wrong hands. The, the La Familia are giving the tone, and I think it's very bad because it has nothing to do with the ideology of Jabotinsky and because nothing it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a racist ideology. But Jabotinsky I, had but, nothing, but, uh, nothing bad about Arabs. If you that, ra- read very, him, he said we, ha- we need to have uh, a the wall. Thing is, the, thing that, the, the thing is that confusing everybody is that the fact that I'm not coming and saying, or they're just a bunch of baboons, you know? Because <laughs> yes. that's what we used to hear about them. Yeah. And I'm just not agree with that. I, I met these people. I'm speaking with them till today. And uh, uh, really, they're, they're very smart, very clever, yeah. very sophisticated. And yet racist. Of course, yes, they are. And they have their ideology, which is very, um, I don't know. Uh, extreme. I, extreme, but, but, but like... Um, they know exactly what they want. But it's very clear. I, 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 but again, yeah, very clear. but but the people who boycotted, they weren't eight thousand people. The people who participated, uh, who were led by the La Familia. Yeah. So how do we see them? I see them as part of La Familia. Okay. No, no, no. And you not. say they are not. No, they are not. And I so this say... is give, you giving them a discount. No, no, I'm not. I'm just. I just know. <laughs> That's and very I... Israeli. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, you don't guy. say it in English, huh? <laughs> Oops. It's it's yeah. letting the it's being lenient with them, but yeah. No, I just understand. No, I just understand. Translates well though. Um, that for masses, it became a conversation about the uh, the psychologic the psychology of the masses. But yes, it's an interesting. Yes, it's fascinating actually, it's and a part I do of the think movie. I do think that for the uh, masses, it's much more easier to relate it to a very extreme and anti-ideas and not it's always easier to be against something Simplistic, than yeah. yeah than for something mm-hmm. and and that's why for me and actually i know people that uh, fans that later um, established the nordia which actually a club that was the establ- rebels yeah. the rebels against yeah. the yeah. extremists yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that were uh, established after this season so i know some of them which are really not racist but Today, when I meet them, they can, after like five meetings, they will tell me quietly that actually I didn't come to the matches too. And hmm. I'm really embarrassed about it. Well, is it different from the Germans who stood, if we come back to Hitler? Oh, God. Always the Holocaust. It's, no, no come on. It's the third time that one, we're saying Hitler one, in, one, yeah. in one show. I That's think it's it. too much. Okay, okay. One, we'll drop one Hitler. One thing I think that they managed to show, one thing I think that La Familia managed to show very well is that the team doesn't belong to anybody but the fans. And they yes. always say that. And, and they, they always said that to me in my research. And they, they're they 100% correct. The team belongs to the fans. Because in the end of the day, if the fans don't show up, the team is going to do horribly. And they're not going to have any support. And they're not going to get any money. And they're not anything. And maybe that's so, the lesson that Guy Demarque, uh was taught. Was taught. Basically. And I think that that is the idea. That is why sports are such a strong political force because in the end of the day you have you know there's an idea that stands behind these teams many teams i mean many teams are kind of apolitical but many teams have this political idea behind them and it's a political idea that and i have to agree with noel in that sense thank you that that it's a political idea that exists in the minds of whether uh, whether more radically or less radically and whether more proactively, meaning maybe some of them aren't willing to, to act on these ideas, but they still kind of associate with them and they still identify with them. And if you can tap into that, then you can... Uh... I have... Well, I think that in that and what you said earlier, it's very true. The fans of Beitar are presenting, in a, I think, quite good, the Israeli society today. And as we know, today, lots of people in Israel... Hate the, Arabs? Yes, yes, they are. Maybe they won't go to the street and, and uh, shout uh, death to Arabs, but in the depth of their hearts... Mm, Especially during wars, they'll yeah, think yeah, that. Yeah, in, yeah. The, in, in, the, in the depth of their hearts, they kind of... Mm, yeah. I could do without them. Yeah, yeah, it's better mm-hmm. without them. Mm-hmm. And, and, of co- and I think when you're asking, are all the 20,000 people that decided not come to the stadium, are they racist? No, they're not. Because... Mm-hmm. And they will tell you, well, I'm not racist, but... And I'm always yeah. saying when a but comes after racist, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you cannot be not I racist, have, but... I have plenty of Arab friends. Yeah, exactly. I have plenty like of... Yeah, and a, lot of them, and a lot of them are saying, I have plenty of Arab friends. I'm working with them. But they don't want them in their club. And, yeah. I, and, and I think for me... And actually, again, I don't think that the fans are the responsible because... This identity of a non-Arab club has been built for years. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't happen in one day. It's mm-hmm. a process. So, yeah, if you will ask me who are the bad guys of the team, mm-hmm. of, the, of the film, I'm sorry, 
and I will surprise you, of course, it's the politicians for me. Yeah. 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 Always. Because yes. Lieberman, Lieberman, who came to the to the, he made his career over uh, the the slogan uh, of "Only I can speak Arab and show them." Were to sh Our like prime minister uh, said yes. in the last election, the Arabs are going to the by to masses vote, by masses to vote. For, so if your the prime left. minister saying that, so why the Beitar fan uh, uh, should yeah, but that's, think uh, it's all connecting? That's fear mongering again, and I think all p politicians do it. But as Richard Gere said, yeah, <laughs> um, oh my God, Trump and uh, BB are the bad guys. But we switched from Hitler to, to, <laughs> to Richard, Richard Gere. Gere. It would be a good better. casting. <laughs> it would be interesting casting. I must. <laughs> well, I want to. I, I want to. I want to share you guys with a little story, um, which I was reminded of when I uh, saw your film. There's a Itzi Kohlenfein is the manager of the uh, the manager, right? The yeah. head of the Yoshev Rosh. How do you translate yeah. that? Anyway, he's chairman. the manager. Chairman. chairman. He's the chairman of the team during this time. Uh, he was later fired. Yes. But. Um, he had a dem following this whole uh, Chechen thing. There was a demonstration outside of his house of, yes. you know, actually not so many people, about probably 30, 40 people. And there was one guy there leading the demonstration and he was yelling some pretty obscene things, which I will not repeat. And you show it in the film. But um, I actually made contact with this guy during my research in Jerusalem. That, when? Um, uh, it was 2014. It was after this incident. Mm -hmm. And I saw him in the film and it reminded me because in that film, he's yelling these horrible things about Itzi Kohlenfein's wife. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Itzi Kohlenfein yes, I know. actually sued him. Yes, and, and, and win in one. And won. And he yeah. was charged, uh, uh, fined for 75,000 shekels, I think. No. More? Actually, uh, Itzi won and he, uh, this guy was supposed to pay him 400,000 ah, yeah. shekels. Yeah, yeah. And of course, he didn't have the money. So at the end, Kornfein agreed to forgive him if he will uh, kind of uh, Make switch sides. Yeah, switch sides. Yeah. And today, these days, uh, Dudi Mizrahi, this is the guy, he's a kind of <laughs> hugged by the press because he's the one that saw the light and, yeah. and came back to us, to the normal people, yeah. uh, to be the one. And, and, and that's really, really okay, makes he completely me angry. Flipped. Yeah, but he's yeah. no. Come on, he's not flip. If no, I mean no, well, but he is. He's, no, but but he it's is. not. I think he is. I think come on, it's not. It's not real. It's not honest. It it not, it's not that you're so naive, Aitan. No, I think you it is honest. He found no. a group of people that will accept <laughs> him with these ideas. We all no, nobody accepted him. He's now without a group. An actually, outcast. It, actually, that's a huge tragedy for him mm -hmm. and for all of them because. Uh, that you know this this uh, uh, to be part of la familia first of all it, it's to be belong to something it's mm -hmm. a culty and it's a little bit yeah. culty and and now he he was thrown out well he decided to be because of the money not mm -hmm. to be, be a member of la familia and really every time i see an interview with him it just really makes me angry because we can tell oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no because come on it's He's, uh, how are you saying this in English? He, uh, uh, well, it's not. He made a, he atoned for his sins. Yeah, but, but. Quote, it's not, unquote, but, atoned for his sins. Yeah, but it's, it's not sincere. It's not real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's from the wrong reasons. Yeah. We uh, are out of time. I just want to say, 
I don't know what about you, Eitan. I came out of this film really pessimistic. I don't know if that was your intention. Oh, yes. That was your intention. Yes. Like, we have... <laughs> to depress okay. everybody. Then great yes. job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, because uh, you, you come out of the f- film feeling that uh, you're a minority here. Yeah. That you are doomed. Yeah, but I think... And that this country is doomed. But I think... And you, that you, these you, people are the majority and they will pick the politicians that will bring us to chaos and mayhem i'm not so pessimistic i'm only pessimistic in my personal life okay but but i think that what you do come out what i will agree with is you come out with a lot of thoughts it makes you think a lot and which is a great achievement yeah yes thank you and we wish you the best of luck and we're looking forward for your next films and you can make an optimistic (laughs) film from time to time you know make a happy film for us come on what's the next one any (laughs) any uh hint at the next uh well there's some some ideas yeah of course okay okay no comment (laughs) um so yeah so um if you live in the states uh We'll put links to where, where and how you can watch the film. Yeah, in Independent Lands, in PBS, in May. Okay. And uh, if you live in Israel, it's on cinema. Yeah. Uh, in Cinematex. In Cinematex. And Maya, uh, this was amazing and fascinating. Thank you so much for being Thank here you. with us. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, good luck. Thanks.